How many of you guys have learned quite a bit going through the book of Romans this last year? I would encourage you guys, let this be one of those epistles that you go back to over and over again. It is rich. It is practical. We learned a lot in the last few weeks. It got very personal. Great, we can know all these doctrinal truths of who Christ is, who we are in him, what is the church's part today. But there is a practical living out of our faith, and we got to see that starting in chapter 12. And this morning, guys, we're going to wrap up the book of Romans together. Um, have you guys ever gone over to a friend's house and they pull out the photo book? Does that happen to any of you guys? You're like, oh, here we go. Time to look at family vacation pictures, right? <laughs> uh, I kind of feel that way. Like, you guys remember just last year, okay, a bunch of us, we had a 13 that went over to Israel, and I took a few thousand pictures while we were there, and then I came back and I just shared a few dozen with you guys, and I could tell some of you guys were bored, <laughs> like, ah, you know? And it's one of those things, guys, um, when we come to different passages in scriptures, uh, we we find in, you know, the Bible, it feels kind of like those photo albums. There's just a list of names. What is, this is kind of boring. Do I really have to go through this? And you guys know that every word is God-breathed. It's there for a purpose. So rather than skip ahead and just skip a chapter of a bunch of names and peoples we don't know, let's find something that's relevant here for us. What is the word of God have to speak to you and I through this. Because oftentimes we would just want to read those scriptures. Hey, I want to learn more about Jesus and how awesome he is. And I want to read some scriptures about me, right? Um, well, guys, we're not going to skip over this morning. Okay, we're going to stop. We're going to befriend chapter 16 of Romans this morning. Um, just to get to know a little bit about these guys. Um, Send my greetings to my mom and my dad for having me. And both my, you know, <clears throat> both are co-laborers in kingdom service. Greet my old friend, Paul Cameron, who works at the radio station. He would catch me after football practices when I was in high school, and he would encourage me in the faith. Greet Pastor Dwight, who once pastored a little church near my house where I grew up. And when my mom got saved, she brought us kids there and he showed me the importance of the Bible and studying it verse by verse. Greet Pastor Chris, who encouraged me to become a youth leader at church and start some classes on how to teach the Bible. Greet Mark, the former dean of men at Calvary Chapel Bible College who shared with me some of the best Christian books I've ever read on how to be absolutely surrendered and what humility looks like in the lost art of discipleship. Greet Sue Shepherd, who is married to Pastor Steve, who is now with Jesus. They took Sonny and I through premarital counseling, and they served with us when I first began pastoring. Greet Chaplain Tom Buxton of Fox Valley Jail Ministry for inviting me to get involved in jail ministry. To the elders at Freedom Fellowship, Mark, Joel, Steve, and Joseph, who love me and love me enough to hold me accountable 
who are free to share their hearts and to speak truth into my life. To pastors Paul, Kevin, and James of New London, Pastor Levi and Bernard of Black Creek, Pastor Michael in Shockton, Pastor Phil in Seymour, Pastor Steve, who serves in Appleton, Pastor Jim and Nina, who is here with us this morning in Kakana, um, my brothers Fred and Jim, who lovingly provide times of prayer together every Tuesday morning and share such needed counsel, truly pastors of comfort. Greet my beloved Freedom uh, Fellowship family in Kakana, whom I'm blessed to be able to serve with, doing life together, making a difference, eternal difference, rocking the Fox Valley for the kingdom of God. And to my wife, Sunny, for always pushing me and prodding me forward in the Lord, encourage me to keep looking to Jesus. Who's touched your life? Do you remember them? Have you ever written to them and told them how they have ministered to you? But now, what about out of the big multitude of the ordinary believers who've also touched your life? Sometimes easy to forget. We tend to forget ordinary people who make ministry possible. So this morning, Paul is going to introduce us to a host of family, okay? Uh, Gaius, the, the, the transcriber, Tertius here, Phoebe, who is this female UPS male carrier. Uh, nobody in God's family is unimportant to him, Okay? If you're in Christ, if you are a part of his family, you are so important to the body of Christ and to our Lord and Savior. And there is no ministry that is insignificant. So each of us needs to find the work that he wants us to do. Whether big or small, seemingly important, or maybe just some, you know, monotonously mundane you know, but somebody's got to do it, whatever it is. And next week during our family meeting, we're going to talk about how we as a body serve together and what are some of the things that God would have us to be doing and maybe what our parts are. So let's jump in here to Romans chapter 16. I commend you to uh, Phoebe here, um, who is our sister, who is a servant of the church of Centuria that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. So letters of commendation were very common in the ancient world. Uh, Phoebe means bright, radiant, Okay, in Greek mythology, uh, it starts with 12 titans, six male, six female. Phoebe was one of the six titanesses. Um, so the name Phoebe here was a goddess. So she probably was raised 
heathen, okay, uh, background, but now we see that she is a sweet sister in the Lord. How cool. So Centuria, um, that is the eastern port of Corinth, which we're going to be starting 1 Corinthians this new year too, alongside Exodus. So I'm excited to get into that with you guys. Many commentators see her here as a person who delivered the letter to the Romans. So let's look at these greetings that Paul lays out now. In verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epatnitas, who is the first fruits of Acacia into, or to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Antronachus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplicius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And Stachys, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Artabalus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. And greet those who are of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. And greet Tryphenia and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet my beloved Peres, and who's labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, and mine. Greet and our S, uh, Esocritus, Philegon, Hermas, uh, Petrobas, Hermes, uh, the brethren who are with them greet Philigius and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Wow, Paul mentions 33 names. You don't have to go back and count them. 24 of them are uh, 24 of them are from Rome, guys, 17 men, seven women, and the other nine uh, were with Paul in Corinth, and there were eight men and one woman mentioned there. So this really reveals to you and I the importance Paul placed upon women in ministry in the first century, and really an intimate uh, knowledge of their family relationships in certain Christian service. Um, so partnering in ministry, do you guys know that's important? Okay, God has called none of us as Christians to be lone rangers. Okay, we are the body of Christ. We are working together, okay? And there really is only one church, guys. And we all have our parts. You guys can jot down Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I thank my God every time, Paul says, when I remember you in, my, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, okay? Do we really pray for one another? Are you praying for your church family? Are you praying for those who are ministering or about gospel truth? 
maybe in other parts of the world? Do we remember them? And that's why I like prayer journals, okay? In my Bible here, you know, I mentioned my pastor buddies I get together with on Tuesday. I got a list of all of them, their wives, kids. Some of them have a zillion grandbabies, all right? You know? There are a lot of them, but I have little notes there. What are they going through? How can I be praying for them in their ministries, Okay. I got you guys jotted down, which I would really like. I got these really cool new little bitty, they're the size of my Bible, so they're going to fit in my pouch. They're like thin little journals, okay? I'm going to be doing up some new prayer journals. I would love pictures of you and your family with your birth date. So if you guys want to email me, your fu- it doesn't have to be like cool. It can be a very real fun uh, family picture and then put all the names and the dates of birthdays. I would appreciate that much. But it's easier for me when I have a prayer journal because it's like, oh, yeah, how are they doing? Oh, (laughs) this family that I went to Bible college with 20-some years ago, I still pray for them because I'm reminded because I have their info (laughs) in my journal. So I love Paul's heart as we just read there in Philippians. Hey, I'm always praying. I, I remember you all. So each of us has an opportunity to practice in ministries far beyond our own personal endeavors. Do you guys know that? One of the biggest things we can do is really be praying. So here's what we can learn uh, from this list that might not catch uh, through a first time reading through. The first century church, do you guys see this? Incredibly diverse. There's diversity here, and it is beautiful. Rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, male, female. Okay, Uh, it's kind of like a garden with flowers of every color, every type, just beautiful. That's what I see in Romans 16 here. We see different ranks, we see different races, we see different genders. So let's look real quick at different ranks, okay? We we see here some of Rome's elite, okay? Uh, um, Aristobulus in verse 10 here, this is most likely the grandson of, of Herod the Great. Wow! That's cool to have a believer in that family, right? And a friend of Emperor um, Claudius, uh, Narcissus, in verse 11, John Stott says this, he was rich and famous personality who held a great deal of influence in the emperor's palace. Wow. And then we have the Rome's not so elite, okay? Amplius in verse 8, Urbanus in verse 9, Hermes, verse 14, Philegus in Julia, verse 15. These were common names for slaves back then. Wow. So Paul gives them just as much honor as everyone else. Don't you guys love that? And then we see different races, not just different ranks, okay, but different races. The churches were formed uh, there in Rome, there were Jews, and there were also Gentiles, okay? Um, and you guys remember that in the Bible, there's only two races, right? We have Jews and Gentiles. That's it. That's the way God looks at it. And it does not draw any racial distinction by the color of skin. That's one thing I love, okay? So Jews, well, we know Priscilla and Aquila were. We read of them in verses 3 through 5 here. And what um, Emperor... Claudius really meant for evil 
Okay, you guys remember we looked at Joseph's life there just a few weeks back at the end of Genesis, you know, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. Hey, um, the emperor of the day, okay, um, living there in Rome in 49 AD when Claudius, he expelled all the Jews in that day. Uh, There was riots going on over a certain... um, Crestus, who probably had this illusion of some Jewish arguments over Christ. But anyways, the Jewish Christians, like Priscilla and Aquila here, they were faced, they had to leave. You guys are expelled. You're out of here. So the couple moves to Corinth, where they set up this tent-making business, okay? And this is where Paul arrived, Priscilla and Aquila, they opened up their home, okay? Hey, come work with us. You know, we're believers. Let's minister together. So the trio really worked together. Um, and they even were told in, they moved to Ephesus. And they also worked there, which is maybe where Priscilla and Aquila risked their necks for Paul, verse 4, possibly fought with the beasts of Ephesus. So Priscilla is sometimes pictured with two lions who have refused to attack her, letting credence to this tradition. So when Claudius died, and that would have been in 55 AD, Priscilla and Aquila, they returned to Rome, and again, they hosted a church, or church, you guys catch where it was? In their house. In their house. For you guys who don't know, we didn't try to start a church freedom fellowship, okay? It just started in our home. Sunday night, I didn't even invite people for months. People just kept coming to our home, and that was cool. Our house is kind of small, so we need a bigger house. So we went out to the Vandermosses because they had a bigger house, you know. I think home churches are cool, okay. Um, And a lot of churches get started that way. If you go around and you travel or do missions much, you're going to find most of the Church of Jesus Christ meeting in people's homes. And there's just something really cool about that. And for you guys who host home Bible studies, do you guys know that's church Whenever you get together with your brothers and sisters and you're worshiping Jesus, you're getting into his word, that's church, guys. That's true fellowship. So, um, also, we have in Andronicus and Junia and Herodian in verses 7 and 11 here in Apollos. These were all Jewish names. We have Gentiles. Most of the others um, in this list come from the Greek Few are Latin, Amplis and uh, Urbanus are Latin. So we also see here there's different genders. So not only different ranks, okay, or different races. A large number of women were greeted by Paul here, okay. Eight, ten of them out of the 33 names are mentioned. Uh, These are our sisters in the Lord. So in addition to Phoebe and Priscilla, the names Mary, Junia, Tryphenia, Tryphosa, uh, Press, Rufus, Rufus's mother, Julia, and Nurse's sister here. So four of these, Mary, uh, Tryphena, Tryphosa, and Press, uh, they are praised for being what? Did you guys catch it? Hard workers. Wow. Hey, they are hardworking workers. Women. So uh, they labored literally means they worked till they were weary. You guys ever serve the Lord in such a way? I'm just, I've given all I got. (laughs) I'm exhausted. And that's good. Because some of us can go work for the man. (laughs) We'll give ourselves and our body and our time till we're spent. 
what a long work week, you know. But do we ever exhaust ourselves for the Lord, the things of the kingdom? Let me tell you what, that feels good. Um, so here we're told that they um, are hard workers. Um, I want to share with you a few extra biblical quotes that I found this week. Fourth century pagan philosopher Labinus, he said this, what women these Christians have. Wow, what a testimony. Man, these Christian women, they're awesome, right? Clement of Alexandria said, many women have received power through the grace of God and have performed many deeds of manly valor. Jerome said, referring to Marcella, she was in the front line in condemning the heretics. I like that. So different rakes, different races, different genders, but one church, guys. That's what I see when I study Romans 16. We are one church. So question, if Paul was writing letters to us here at Freedom Fellowship, how would he greet you personally? Would you be mentioned why or why not? Let's move on to verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions. Note them. Those that cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For those who are such, they do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under, the, under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That's pretty darn cool, isn't it? A lot of wisdom here. Okay, I'm wrapping up my letter. And I want you guys to get this, okay? We don't hear much of false teachers today. There's not a whole lot of, and I'm going to tell you guys why. Uh, society says there is no such thing. That's our society today. We are told that we need to accept all views. They're all valid. Their opinion, hey, that's truth. That's good. We all have our truths. So, the belief system, okay? We can't claim that we're right. But what does Paul say here? Uh, no. <laughs> There's one truth. <laughs> There's one way, okay? It, it is Jesus, period. So, if you look at verses 17 and 18, not sure who these troublemakers were exactly, okay? But what they do. That's what matters, okay? They cause the church to divide, divisions, okay? And you guys might be like, well, I don't, does that really happen? Are there church divisions today, guys? Yeah, I could name a handful just locally in the last year, right here in our own backyard. It's happening everywhere. And what are we told here? These are the ones who cause divisions and that's what we need to watch out for who's trying to cause division within the body of christ 
Okay, They're going to be marked by that. And remember, this ranks as really the top seven of God's most wanted when we read Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19. And one who sows discord among the brethren, that is something God hates. So if you're trying to be divisive, knock it off. You're being a tool of Satan. Okay? And we as Christians, we need to mark these people. Okay? So don't stir up dissension. Also, they, step, they set traps hoping to stumble some believers. So the, the offense here literally means, guys, a bait, stick, or a trap. Okay? And we're told that some of them are very smooth, syrupy speakers, right? Um, and fantastic flatterers. Things haven't changed very much, have they, guys? We still see that. Um, so Christians, brothers, sisters, know your Bibles. Study to show yourselves approved to God. Workmen that don't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. That's what we need to do. So when we're hearing these flattering talks from these false teachers, we're going to be, just, be able to discern real quick, whoa, that's not what God says. It might sound good, but it's not true. We need, um, we need to know the word of God that we don't get duped. The only way to do that is to know your Bibles. Be a Berean. Don't be shallow-minded. Think things through. Okay? Many of us just run with whatever we hear. Okay? Well, didn't you hear? Yeah? <laughs> Did you think it through? <laughs> Think. God's given us brains. Let's reason. Let's think. And reason with God, most importantly, right? So think things through. And most importantly, uh, what I daze them as false teachers, guys, it's not their charisma. It's not their hairdos. It's not their odd practices. No, they're identified by their teaching. So contrary to the doctrine you learned, okay? So listen. Okay, what are they actually teaching? What are they actually saying? I had a, a friend, we used to host a young adult study uh, in our home, and we had 20, 30 young adults showing up. And one was on fire, and he was getting into different podcasts and listening to all these different teachers, and he was really fired up to share, you know, this teaching with me from this one pastor. And the guy's, you know, loud thumping the pulpit, very passionate about what he's saying, really fired up, had some good points, you know, and he's just so like, oh, isn't that awesome? Isn't that right on? I'm like, no. <laughs> Let's slow down and actually listen to what he just said. Let's actually think this through. Whoa, this is unbiblical. This is a lie. This is contrary to the word of God even though this is one of the most popular Bible teachers that we have today in the church, you just bought into a lie because you didn't bring it back to the word of God. We need to be careful. And you guys have heard me over and over again say to you, don't take my word for it. I want you to trust me as your pastor, but you always need to go back and check whatever I preach back to what the word of God says. We need to do that, and we need to check each other. So let me tell you what, finite man, we do not have it together. We cannot improve upon the word of God. This is perfect. 
this is right. This is what's going to set us free. So, what do we do? I'm so glad you guys asked. You guys see what Paul told us to do? We need to note them, avoid them, be wise and simple, innocent. Okay? Note the mark them, so keep an eye on them, scrutinize everyone's teaching, and measure it up to Bible truth. Avoid, turn from them, don't associate or encourage them in any way. Be wise in what is good. This is what we should know. What is good? Okay? Because there's a lot of evil. Okay? You don't have to look far. There's evil everywhere. (laughs) But we're to be wise concerning what is good. And we're to be very simple concerning what? Evil. Many Christians are very wise concerning evil. I'll tell you what's wrong with CTR. I'll tell you what's wrong with that teaching, that denomination. Black Lives Matters and the list goes on and on. We know all about it when God says, no, you are to be simple concerning evil. Be wise and good. And just an observation, those who are very wise concerning evil do very little good. Are you going across the street and loving your neighbor? No, because don't you know what's going on? Don't you see all the evil in the world? Aren't you afraid? We got to stand up and do something. Well, God says we need to be simple concerning evil. And we need to be good concerning, be wise concerning the good. And let me tell you what, guys. We are the ones as Christians who are free to do the good. Let the world see your good works. And who are they going to glorify? Your heavenly Father. Okay? You know what would happen if we engage the evil of the world with the good of God? Oh, wow. We're bringing light into the evil. Okay? We've got to deal with it. It's here. But how do we deal with it? Are we dealing with it biblically or not? That's what matters, guys. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to do it his way. Because we can get really concerned about all the stuff of this life that's temporal and we can miss the eternal opportunities that God has set before us. And that is the soul of every man, woman, and child that's alive today. They are what matter. So, simple, innocent, concerning evil. So reign in your curiosity, guys. Don't even explore it. Don't experiment with evil. We discern it (laughs) and stay away from it. That's it. So when you guys hear me as your pastor, because I'm not afraid to talk to things, but we want to be simple concerning it. I remember when the Black Lives Matter thing came up, you know, God does care about every man, woman, and child, no matter what color their skin is. Okay? We study the scriptures. We get it. You know? But for me to say, hey, <laughs> looked into it, read their website, this isn't good, dangerous, stay away from it. That should be enough for us. You look into it. Okay, this isn't right. This isn't good. Mark them. I'm done. Moving on. We shouldn't live in that stuff, guys. Because God has us on a mission. And that mission is to bring the gospel, go and disciple the world for Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what, if the church would do that, I don't think we would see all the problems that we're having. Would you guys agree with me? If we would just do it God's way, I think his ways are smarter than ours. Anyways, 
Sorry, I'm going off a little bit. But I love what Paul lays down here because it's so simple. And sometimes we don't think like, okay, really? Is it really just this simple? Is this all I'm supposed to do? Yeah. Just do it his way, guys. Um, why is a serpent har- harmless as doves? Amen. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, a few greetings from Paul's friends at the end of this letter. Look at verse 21. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sophspatar, my countrymen, greet you. And Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church greets you. Radus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Cordus, a brother, the grace of the Lord Christ be with you all. Amen. So Lucius, probably not Luke, okay, but Lucius of Cyrene, Acts 13.1. Jason, okay, Paul's host there in Thessalonica. We read about that in Acts chapter 17, the first nine verses. Sospitar, uh, probably Sopitar of Berea that we read of in Acts chapter 20. So if you take the time and look into who these are, there's little connections that we find throughout the scriptures, and it's kind of fun to put those puzzle pieces together. In verse 22, when it talks about Tertius here, it uh, means third. So in Paul's day, letters were written by a professional scribe called an amanuensis. okay? So when Tertius here began to write, you know, on Romans, he had in hand a, a scroll, a fresh scroll in a pen, okay, brown or black ink. Scribes wrote on the side of the papyrus where the fibers would go, uh, horizontally, okay, so they would act kind of as a, a line for them to be able to write on. Tertius would organize the roll into three-inch wide columns for texts, and as he worked, he likely wrote the entire book of Romans in capital letters, giving a very splendid dignity to the word of God. And remarkably, guys, he never left spaces between any of the words, letting one word spill into the next. The final effect gave block text with straight margins on both right sides and the left sides. And then in verse 23, we have Gaius. He was baptized by the Apostle Paul, which we're going to read first thing in chapter 1 of Corinthians. Radus, he was a bigwig in Corinth. He was the city's treasurer there. And Cordus means fourth. Now, on to the doxology. This is how Paul is going to close out his letter. How many of you guys like doxologies? Yeah, so cool. Um, well, what's a doxology, Pastor? It, it's a hymn. It's a Christian hymn. Okay, uh, it's praise to God, and he tells us here in verse twenty-five. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone, wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So here's one of Paul's really long run-on sentences. <laughs> if you looked in the original, it's just one long sentence, okay? But it's quite the sentence, 
Okay, in it we find uh, major themes that he's covered already in the book of Romans. Did you guys see in verse 25, establish? Okay, uh, we don't know much. Uh, <laughs> within ourselves, we don't have much stability. Okay, you guys might, but I know myself. There's not a lot, <laughs> a lot of stableness in and of myself. Okay, uh, many of us, you know, many of the things that make us unstable, you know, we have our, our emotions, there's hormones, there's worries, there's a lot of fears we have, circumstances in life, confusion, a lot of misunderstandings, right? But listen to this, Christian, okay? God is your stabilizer. If you haven't realized that yet, you need to understand God alone is the one that's going to bring stability to your life. Every aspect of it. He is the stabilizer. And also, guys, through his word is really where we find that stability. Okay? There's times where my thinking gets off. You know, there's times where I want to be concerned with the evil, and then I read Romans 16, and it tells me not to be. I'm like, oh, you know, you're right, because that's just tripping me out, bringing me down. It's getting me off mission. It's getting me self-centered. And your ways are better, because when I'm looking at what is good, when I give myself to your business, that's where I find stability. When I'm looking to you, Jesus, you're the answer. Okay? So it's through his word. And did you guys catch, catch this? Okay, verse 25 is speaking about the New Testament scriptures, right? The word of God is going to bring the stability. And then in verse 26, he's talking about the prophets, the Old Testament. So there is a place, guys, for the New and the Old Testament. I know some Christians, not you guys, I know you guys love the Old Testament, but I've talked with believers who don't like reading the Old Testament. I'm just like, what's up? <laughs> you know, are you really born again? Like, I love the Old Testament. I mean, Genesis was a blast. I'm excited. Next week, we're going to start Exodus. And we're going to do the same thing. How many of you guys have really enjoyed going through New Testament every other week? New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. Yeah. And wasn't it amazing how Genesis and Romans, how many times the same themes? It's just like, you got to be kidding we were in an Old Testament book last week, and the New Testament is laying down the exact same story. Like, that's God. It fits together. Both are meant for us as believers. And then, in verse 26, when it talks about all nations, okay, uh, ethne, again, guys, God's ability to establish a multi-ethnic church here in Rome, I think, is pretty fascinating. It's beautiful. Sonny and I got to go to New York one time, and we went to a church, and there were different ethnic backgrounds from all over the world. I saw Chinese, Asian brothers and sisters, African-American brothers and sisters, I don't know, brothers and sisters, you know, just all from all, and we were just worshiping Jesus. It was so cool. I felt like I was getting a little taste of heaven, like, whoa, this is the way it's supposed to be. We are one in Christ, you know? So it's so cool seeing that here. Um, verse 27, guys, uh, God alone, only one God is true, only one God exists, and that is the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yes, we are evangelicals here. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but I think the one thing that labels us as evangelicals is we believe in the Godhead. 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is God. He is Savior. He is the one and true living God. So, all others are pretenders and they are idols. God alone is wise, okay? Yes, your situation right now, <laughs> he is wise. He sees what's going on. He is wise no matter what is happening. He is wise and he has the ability to devise the perfect ends and to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. So all God's acts, this is A.W. Tozer, I love this quote, all God's acts are as pure as they are wise and as good as they are wise and pure. You guys know that God has good in view? But pastor, you don't know what happened. I don't. He does. And he's able to work it all out for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So brother and sister, if you are on with Jesus and you care about his business, the family business, if you're on mission, it's going to work out for good. What I do know is me personally. And what I do know, there has been hard things. Some really hard things. Some great seasons, some hard seasons. But I know that God uses even the real bad stuff for his purposes. And there's been times, guys, where before the Lord, I'm like, this really stinks. God, I would rather have it this way or for you just to take it away. But if you're going to use this for your glory, if you see good in view as a result of this now, this is going to exalt you. And if this is for my good, which we know scripturally, okay, let it be. No regrets. So I encourage you guys, take what he's declaring here. He knows. An infinitely wise God must work in a manner not to be improved upon by finite creatures. His ways are much better than ours. He's much wiser than us. Okay. So no wonder why Paul here wanted to give glory to God. And how long does he give God glory? Forever and ever. Okay. Ever and ever. I love this doxology. It's pretty good. I'd love for you guys to stand. I'm going to share one more hymn with you guys that's not in Scripture. <clears throat> As we close, and I'm doing this because this is our last time together this year. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited, okay? I'm excited for what God has before us. Some of us, if you're like me, just can't wait to get home. You guys ever have that prayer? One of my daily prayers, like, hey, the rapture would be awesome today. <laughs> like, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm excited to go home. But I do believe, guys, that we're in a battle. I'm really excited about being able to be in that battle with you. Okay? Um, we don't need to fear. The victory's already been won, but we want to engage because there really are men women, and children who are going to be eternally separated from a God that loves them so much. Hell is reality. And there is a hope. There is good news that we get to share with this world. 
So we want to engage. So I'm going to share with you guys, many of you have heard this before, um, but the hymn is called The Breastplate of St. Patrick. Okay, I'm not going to read the entire thing because it's pretty long, but I'm going to share with you guys my favorite part from it. It says this, Christ be within me, Christ be behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me. Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me and Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. Praise to the Lord of my salvation, salvations of Christ the Lord. Amen. So, Father, I do thank you for this morning with these dear saints. Father, I love my brothers and sisters. I'm thankful for this family. God, we do pray and ask of you that your will be done, that our eyes would be fixed upon you, Jesus. God, it is so good to study your word, to learn. Father, but if it's not producing love in our lives, if we're not loving you more and others, we're missing something. So we pray that your Holy Spirit would bring a connection, Lord, between these truths, God, that they would be downloaded into our hearts, (laughs) that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak, that we would just pour over, Lord, that that your your word would just spew from our lives, God, that we would be a light, that we'd be able to share the goodness of you, Jesus, with this world, the good news, because you are, the volume of this book, it's about you, God, so let you, Jesus, be upon our lips, truly Christ, within us, behind us, before, beside, God, wherever we go, that you are with us. Keep us in that sweet spot, Lord, where we are experiencing your very real presence, Father, moment by moment in every day. So please, Lord, you know what the future holds. (laughs) We just want to be doing our part. So please, God, Reveal to us what your will is, what you'd have for us individually and also corporately as a family here. God, we want to be about your business. We discern the hour is late. God, so we're going to be looking to you. We're going to be encouraging one another. And we're going to keep standing in your word, the truth. We pray this in your name. Amen.